Welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, a part of the incomparable family of podcasts. I'm Trish Matson, And I'm David Schaub. I would not have chosen this episode to watch three times. <laughs> Many choices today. So we are discussing the season finale, season three, episode 23, Battles Lost and Won. And I believe you have the recap for us, David. Now I can tell you what happened, but I can't explain it. Mirren chooses to merge with Earth to uncrack it. Brainy chooses to hide from Evil Brainiac. Coville chooses the side that didn't try to kill him. The witches don't choose this fight, but they do lose it. Sam chooses to accept her dead mother and beat up Rain, twice, while her genes keep changing faster than a Pokemon's. James chooses to reveal to the world that he's Iron Man, er, the Guardian. <laughs> Wynne chooses going to the future to fight Evil Brainiac. John chooses to live amongst the people, helping them. Alex chooses a job with massive time commitments to help become a mum. Imra kinda chooses to dump her husband and then take him back to the future with her. Monel doesn't really choose it, but says goodbye to Kara again. Supergirl chooses a do-over, and then does pretty much the same thing in a way more confusing way, but also causes something which will result in grief next season. Wait, who does she think she is, the Flash? <laughs> Lena chooses not to think what would Supergirl do, but rather super science stuff with magic space rocks. Yes, it was an action-packed episode, to be sure. <laughs> there are a lot of choices that people make. Some of them make sense. Some of them don't. Right. Okay, so <sighs> where to start? I guess at the beginning, there is there are huge battles going on with the earthquakes and everything. Um, uh, by the way, Guardian, while he is getting people rescued out of Catco, not suspicious at all, on his wall of screens, happens to see someone newscasting. Meanwhile, Superman saves Madagascar. So I really like that line. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, he still does exist in this show universe. We don't know why he hasn't been doing anything else with the Rain stories, but uh, he's around to sa save Madagascar from being shaken off the um, Earth or whatever because of rain coming in from the other direction from somewhere in North America. Don't think about it too hard. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are quite a few things we need to not think about too hard, including the water spout that they stop by swirling around it and then freezing it, and it plunges into the bay, but somehow does not create a, another, you know, wave of water to rush toward the harbor. Somehow, whenever they deal with the ocean, everyone's superpowers become way bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Something hmm. about the water. Yes, perhaps it's not just the yellow sun that has an effect on people. <laughs> about this initial fighting scene where basically they're just fighting CGI mm -hmm. debris falling off buildings. This was all shot in one day in downtown Vancouver in a moderately new plaza that was built up. Therefore, every time I sort of walked out of work or back to work, I could sort of see what scene they're shooting. <laughs> it was far less exciting to see in person. I had taken some pictures, so I had known that Allura was in that costume and was back on Earth mm -hmm. many months ago because there she was in front of me. <laughs> but it was kind of neat seeing some of the stuff being filmed. Right. 
other important things happened, of course, during all this initial fight scene. Uh, probably the most important being that um, uh, Marin did sacrifice himself. I just uh, need need to vent a little bit. Um, this won't be the last time. This, right. <laughs> this won't be the last time. So uh, Jean Jean asks him to basically dump all the memories in right now uh, before he does it. And, you know, Marin says it, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> There's only time for one memory. And uh, if Jean had been a little less resistant to his father's being ready to go before, uh, when his father wanted to share, start sharing memories in the first place, they would have had time for more. And that makes me a little sad. I know... I know that it's hard to lose a parent, but telling them that they're that they aren't going anytime soon when they know good and well that they are is not productive and and in fact it's uh in this particular case <laughs> it meant that uh things didn't happen that should have so that's too bad, but it certainly is uh how people act sometimes maybe maybe Jean uh uh needed to learn a little more from his father a little earlier, but at least uh, he, uh, by the end of the show, appears to be taking some lessons really to heart. When listening to you and Brianna in a previous podcast, it did occur to me that we really should try and get Brianna to read the Dune series, in that pretty much the underlying technology of the Bene Gesserit is exactly having sort of race-level historical memories of everything, mm -hmm. going back how many tens of thousands of years in one's head all at one time. <laughs> right. Which is very similar in some regards to how this seems to work with the Martians. Right. So the one last memory that got shared was how the uh, original, the first keeper of the sacred scrolls of the Green Martians, uh, the moments that she received them. So I wonder if that was just inspirational for Jean or if it's going to come into play next season. I thought it was an interesting suggestion that it was the beginning of their race, and I would have thought mm -hmm. maybe it was the beginning of their religion, certainly. But perhaps mm. that's also when they learned shape-changing. I almost wish they had given us this earlier, because as far as we can tell, the Green Martian god Hronmir has the ability to shape-shift into a planet. And so therefore it would have given context to the uh, otherwise insanity of Mirren's plan of shape-shifting into the Earth to heal it. Hmm. Maybe, yes. <laughs> but hey, that... a big head came out of the ground. <laughs> right. So anyway, Marin tells Jean to promote peace and be happy, and then he melds into the earth and seals it, and Rain screams, having been... Squished? Squished. <laughs> certainly sealed away. <laughs> so And Mirren took the staff with him, which surprised me a little bit. Maybe he needed it to do the melding or sealing or whatever. It's possible. Okay. Another thing that annoyed me slightly was the thing about the Legion ship coming back and they explained that the beacon must have had a sail, a fail safe. So even though it was damaged, it sent out a signal anyway, which makes me wonder why they spent any time on that at all. Well, my interpretation is Saturn Girl is lying and Monella is propping up her lying. <laughs> And I can only ask, why? I have this theory now that everyone in the future lies about everything. 
<laughs> and that would explain so much this season that they just can't help but constantly lie for no reason whatsoever. It's just part of culture in the future. Well, that that would help to explain things. It's a little disturbing. <laughs> The implication is that Saturn Girl came on her own volition because she knew Monel was staying or something like that. And it was something about the fact that he was sort of coming to terms with the fact that he still loved Kara made her come. But I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Again, something you probably better not try to think too much about. So, do you want to talk about the Dark Valley next or the... Yeah, let's briefly get into the Dark Valley because really... I was very happy to see Patricia back. Yes. Um uh she had a a you know semi noble death before or you know maybe even noble trying you know resisting uh rain and and trying to help ruby. But uh here the question was you know she appeared in the dark valley for no metaphysical reason I can think of, you know, other than that Sam needed her. And the big question was whether Sam would trust Patricia's advice about which pool to drink from or not. Or really, should you trust any apparition that shows up in front of you? Point. <laughs> <laughs> they gave us some context here, because basically in the Dark Valley, you will meet the people you killed. So... We get to see Patricia because Rain killed her, and therefore now we see this value that came out of her self-sacrifice. And I wasn't mm -hmm. expecting this in the storyline, and I was really quite happy to see it. It doesn't make any sense. Mostly, Patricia actually knowing anything about the Fountain of Lilith makes no sense. Right. But, but I really liked the actor, so... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I liked her. I liked what... What she said, you know, I liked that she and Sam got to have some closure. Exactly. Um, it, it was a nice scene. So this this is actually, you know, a point where I'm happy not to think too much about how that worked. <laughs> they pulled it off well enough that it was okay. There were a lot of scenes that lasted 30 seconds or so in, in, this, in this show. Um, it bounced around quite a bit. The next we saw, the witches are unhappy... But Koval is alive. That's right. I had thought last time, uh, I, I, when, when they killed him, as I thought before, I was very surprised that he had such a quick and, you know, uh, dismissive death. But no, they didn't quite kill him af after all. He had enough strength to crawl to the, um, to Jean's convertible spaceship and uh, hit a distress signal or something. And so the DEO finally figured out where the um, Fortress of Evil or whatever it is was. And I would assume one could suggest that maybe he then died, but I wouldn't at this point. At this point, I think Koval basically is immortal. He's been saved a lot of times <laughs> in this show. Yeah, I don't I don't remember exactly what happened to to him in this show. I, uh, did he They just show him not moving in the seat after hitting the button. Right. So So it could go either way. Yeah. So anyway, let's see. Before he actually hits the thing, um, you know, he has to take some time to crawl over there. Before going over there, I just wanted to mention that one more thing about Koville, which is He's now breathing, he's moving, he's crawling over gravel and dirt, and the four super-powered, super-hearing characters in the room don't notice him. I guess all their attention is focused on bringing back Rain from being frozen in the ground. 
Sure, sure. (laughs) It takes a lot of concentration to uh, do that magic stuff they're doing. (laughs) Then we're back to the Dio and Saturn Girl and Monel have a talk. Yeah, and she apologizes and says, you know, these things happen, things weren't right anyway, I lied to you about stuff, so yeah, we probably weren't meant for each other. And they hug, and then later, Brainy sees Monel and says, you're smiling, that's not good, <laughs> because <laughs> if Imra told you what she was supposed to, you would not be smiling. And then Wen started uh, walking into the room, and Monel kind of told him to back off, and uh, Brainiac said, no, you need to be here too. And he explains that all the blight not happening means that his evil relative survived and created a plague that was wiping out all artificial intelligences, which... Oh, well, let's move on. Um, <laughs> and uh, Well, let's just say it's computer virus and move on. <laughs> Of things this episode says, I'm pretty okay with the evil Big Brainiac trying to take out the other AIs with a computer virus. No Mm -hmm. problem. (laughs) I guess because he doesn't want competition or something? He's a jerk. (laughs) He really is. Okay, he's just evil. All right. So then Brainy says, so he can't go back to the future. So when, surprise, you need to go to the future and take my place in the Legion. (laughs) And Brainy explains that that... um, a uh, tech sketch that Wynn did last last time that um, it was going to be the basis of the defensive t- technology for DEO. Uh, and it turns out that that is a huge technological um, foundation for, for future groundbreaking stuff. And here I just thought he didn't quite draw the flux capacitor properly, but okay, <laughs> that's just me. At some point, you might get the feeling that the economy of actors affects this TV show. Yeah, conservation of characters. Um, I don't know. I've always, I, I you know, I'm, I, I like when I'm willing for him to be a super genius that just really didn't have a chance to express his super geniusness before because of being afraid of his father's legacy and everything. Um, so I'm okay with him turning out to be a brilliant groundbreaking guy. Um, I'm sad to see him. He'll, he will be a recurring character next year. So I guess we'll get the Legion back a couple of times, or maybe Supergirl will go forward in time or something. So anyway, we'll see when again. Um, but uh, I, I, I like that he's getting a good ending instead of just, uh, well, I guess, Marin is, uh, sorry, Jean is going off to wander the earth and find himself and uh, help others. So it wouldn't be too good to have Wynn also going walkabout to, to find his destiny. I like him, you know, being called to a destiny in the future. That seems pretty a pretty nice uh, nice way to handle it to me. The future is only one guest appearance away. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So uh, when when Wynn tells uh, James about this offer to go to the future, or plea to go to the future, uh, they have a discussion about that, and then James talks about when he was rescuing people earlier, and there was a woman who was who wanted to go into a burning building to save her son, and he couldn't get her to calm down. Uh, he took off his mask, and he says she instantly found her calm. 
and that makes me want to unmask all the time. And uh, that, of course, is a line to later in the episode uh, when he does, <laughs> as you said, basically off the cuff, cuff to a phone call from apparently, you know, some random reporter. Uh, Presumably not Catco. <laughs> Presumably not Catco, and and confirms that yes, I'm the guardian, and I feel like Cat Grant should fire him immediately because <laughs> <laughs> he threw the story away. You know, <laughs> he should have uh, done. You know, if he were a responsible CEO, um, he should have saved the story for his own corporation and uh, uh, presented it in a way to at least play the story well for his own corporation. So instead of just throwing out the one comment and then letting everyone do catch up. It is certainly possible that the person who called him is actually a Catco reporter in that probably a Catco reporter is more likely to have a cell number. So it, it could be that this is still going to come out as a Catco story. So maybe he'll get away with it. Hmm. Though we'll see what the follow on repercussions of giving away one secret identity in uh, next season. Presumably we'll see some consequences from that, yes. A little earlier, when Rain came back, the show seems to still be extra consistent <laughs> with making her growl like a cat. And she does give a wonderful line, which has no sane meaning. The Earth's core tried to hold me captive, but I broke through. I just needed to say that. Right. So anyway, when our heroes find out that Rain is alive after all, James actually says, now that Rain and Sam are, are separated, just use kryptonite on on Rain. And uh, Supergirl says, no, I don't kill. And everyone else argues at her that, you know, they have to do what it takes. Um, even Jean Jones says, if all else fails, you have to kill her. And Supergirl says... You know, in the same conversation, without taking more than, you know, 10 seconds to think, she agrees, okay, whatever it takes. And I'm a bit puzzled by how easy that was after all the, you know, previous episodes in which that has been resisted. You know, she, she flipped awfully easily, it seemed to me. My notes says, everyone says, kill, kill, kill. Yep. I agree. And I'd say that of all the choices people make in this episode, and this episode really is about choices, mm -hmm. I like James and Wynn's storylines the best, and Kara's by far the least. <laughs> <laughs> it is at best manipulative, at worst laughable. But we'll get there. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, after, after Sam... Uh, trusts Patricia and drinks enough of the good water. She wakes up and she's floating. So, you know, Ruby says, Mom, you're super. And she heads out toward the battle that the other heroes have already uh, started going to. <sighs> Was it me or did the Fountain of Lilith attempt to look like the chambers of a heart? Hmm. I didn't draw that connection, but... I don't know if that means anything or not. It could just be me, but it kind of did look like ventricles hmm. to me. Well, maybe. She trusts the apparition of her mother, and that's nice. I still don't understand how her mother would know, and there's no real reason whatever the apparition there would be telling the truth. But hey, it works out. Now I don't know. Maybe her mother being dead can 
No, her mother was never part of the genetic memory of Krypton. So, nope. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the uh, other part of this is I'm just so lost about what Sam is. I'm so lost. By so the end point, of the episode, she they say she's normal human again. So does that mean she, she doesn't she's have 100% super... human. Right. So does that mean she doesn't have superpowers anymore at the end of the episode? Who knows? Her mind drank from a magic fountain. <laughs> <laughs> what? I... And in theory, that was the fountain that gave rain powers that were independent of the yellow sun. So therefore, the not Kryptonian mm. superpowers of world killers. But it's strongly implied that she is a full-on Kryptonian powered at one mm -hmm. point. She's been either human, Kryptonian, world killer, or a mashup between those randomly throughout the entire season. And it's, it's, wow. <laughs> I just, I can't make heads or tails of it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, all the heroes are there. Fight, fight, fight. Rain has, has uh, Supergirl in a headlock. Sam shows up and stabs her with a sword. Supergirl throws Rain into the cauldron. Rain I-beams Allura and Monel to death and then melts. Uh, Jean and Supergirl agree they should have found another way. Supergirl takes Monel's Legion ring and tells Alex and Wynn to find her a disruption so she can go back in time. She has flashbacks while she does that. Then she's back in the fight with Rain, tells Sam not to stab her, tells Monel to throw her the run the the Harun L, puts it in Rain's hand. They go back to the Dark Valley, all three of them. Supergirl, Sam, and Rain. Uh, Sam beats up Rain and pins her and makes her drink the bad water of Lilith. Rain loses her energy. Then the disruptors or whatever take her away. Well done. That is kind <laughs> of what we saw. Do you understand it? No! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they really liked the original Superman movie and they kind of wanted to do that. Yeah. But they didn't even do it that well. Well, you know, it's... It it's it's weird because she goes up into a disruption and then she's back at the scene. So it's not like she physically goes back in time. She goes into a disruption and I guess just, you know, goes back and inhabits her body at the yeah, exactly. decision point in the fight. She travels back in time and ends up in her own body before she did that. Yeah. What what am I watching? I don't understand <laughs> what I'm watching. You know, that's that's I don't think that's how time travel worked for Superman when he flew around the planet in reverse orbit and It certainly isn't how the Legion ship works whenever it does its thing through the disruptions, which presumably I made some wild assumption would require a ship and math and something complicated to coordinate <laughs> your path like well, I guess oh. they they say that the Legion Ring is like a ship all on its own. Well, expensive as one, at least. <laughs> I'd like to think that if I ever watch this episode again, I'm going to find a fan edit that it just edits out the time travel. <laughs> because it's not necessary to the story at all, I don't think. Therefore, you could just not do it. The only necessity is that it shows Supergirl giving in to the... Um, the ones who want to kill Rain, and then thinking better of it. How is what she did effectively not kill Rain? So they take her into it. Sam, for some reason, has the upper hand in the Dark Valley for mm -hmm. no apparent reason. How they get into the Dark Valley for no apparent reason. None of this makes any sense. But 
she then basically takes Rain, holds her down, drains poison down her mouth, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of Dark Valley wraiths take her away and she evaporates. Right. How is that better than killing her? I don't know. Are they taking her and turning her into a wraith too? Is you know, Or are they putting him her in wraith prison or something? One might think that Rain might think simple death might be preferable to that. No kidding. <laughs> like, how is Supergirl doing something more honorable here? What is this choice that she made, this other path? <sighs> like, yes, she stopped everyone else from getting killed by this arbitrarily superpower beams that happened to make something really bad happen, but the deaths felt so arbitrary. And plus, it just... the choice that she made was not because, oh, I killed her in the heat of battle and that is wrong. The choice is, oh, my friends are dead. I have to fix this. So it's not even really a moral choice at all. There may have been something there. Like Kara says, the rock split them apart. It can put them together. There was a prison strong enough to contain her. Had the plan been actually put Rain and Sam back together... And the prison is Sam's ability to stop Rain from coming out, like that type of thing. Mm-hmm. There's something there, like locking her up in Sam forever. Uh-huh. Absolutely fine. That would have been a choice. Right. But what we saw was not a better choice <laughs> in the slightest. No, it was disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... To say the oh. least. <laughs> her choice should have been gone back in time. And as soon as Sam stabbed Rain once... Supergirl should have called out, hit her more, hit her more, <laughs> and then it would have been fine. Like, had Sam just kept whacking away, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been a problem. I I have issues. <laughs> <laughs> I have issues with the plot outside of the silly time travel mechanic, which also doesn't do anything except for give us a false death. Like, had they actually let the deaths happen, which of course they wouldn't, that would have been at least interesting. Had Kara gone into the next season having made a bad choice, uh-huh. which wasn't really a bad choice, just bad luck that caused those people to die. Boy, that would have been an interesting thing to do for the next season. And then they eradicated that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, I, I, I bought it for a minute because <laughs> Alora would be, you know, a pretty disposable character in the continuum. And Monel, well, that would solve that whole uh, uh, triangle problem. <laughs> um. So, you know, it's interesting that they killed... And she killed Sam, too. But that's almost expected at this point. Well, yeah, okay. But, you know, that would have wrapped that up, too. Um, Anyway, looking forward for a minute. So, Sam is alive and back with Ruby. And so I was wrong with my doleful predictions all this season that they would kill off Sam and let uh, Alex adopt Ruby. So, good on the showrunners for, for... not giving into my expectations there. <laughs> I am confident it was on the list of possibilities. <laughs> I'm actually confident that at the beginning of the season, that was one of the endings. Mm-hmm. And they just decided against it at some point during the season. Right. I guess Sam and Ruby, I hope they're going to be around some next season anyway, even though their plot, ri- plot line is seemingly wrapped up. You know, I guess Ruby won't get superpowers of her own if, uh, but she was born when Sam still had world killer genes in them. So I I'm got not sure. Nothing. 
I am pretty confident with that family. They can Pokemon it up and evolve into a different superhero <laughs> whenever the plot needs them to. Yes. But will the, the question is, will the plot want them to? I guess. Let's, I don't know. Let's save that for the end of the discussion when uh, when we talk about things to come. So going back to Alex not adopting Ruby, uh, do you mind if we talk about uh, Alex and Marin now? I mean, Alex and Jean now? Yep, we can uh, hop back to that earlier discussion. Right. So, um, Alex and Jean, after everything is ob- over and they're doing all the denouements, Alex tells Jean that uh, she feels like um, uh, if she doesn't grab hold of her fate now and try to do something that's going to make her happy, i.e. adopting... But, but- there was actually even an earlier scene. Okay. Because we had a scene with Alex and Lena. Oh, right. To which Alex gives, there's some interesting lines in this one. Because mm-hmm. Alex says the line, it took me forever to find Maggie. Now, how long had Alex been dating before finding Maggie? Well, she had been dating men uh, fairly unsuccessfully for, you know, most of her life. And then um, basically she didn't date anybody before Maggie because she was still untangling her feelings and coming out at the same time exactly as she started dating Maggie. So she has zero dating experience as a lesbian uh, except for Maggie, whom she immediately, you know, once she convinced Maggie to have a relationship with her, um, you know, and then it was a very passionate and heartfelt relationship. And then she hasn't dated anybody else since then. Uh, oh, well, oh, she had her... <laughs> She had her one night stand. <laughs> we mustn't forget that because that was, that was a lot awesome. of fun. <laughs> but I have issues with took me forever to find Maggie. Yeah. I know she's new to this getting into relationships things, but clearly I think she has a questionable view of finding people. And sure, it may be hard to find someone, but she hadn't been trying forever. <laughs> Lena then also gives a great line. You've identified what you want. That's half the battle. To which I say, thank you, Lena. Knowing is half the battle. <laughs> it's a little alarming, though, that, you know, her her basic idea is that once you know that, you'll make it happen. And Luther's making what they want to happen happen, charging ahead, you know, taking control. That's That has caused problems in the past. <laughs> and that's clearly in this episode. This, I would say, is that, that true turning point for Lena. And then, and you get the denouement where it clinches it where lena says yeah we do what it takes to get what we want yes and this sort of is that final piece we're saying okay lena's character is going to be a little more gray and at odds with supergirl next season Mm -hmm. and it's a nice to sort of wrap those up in that one scene while alex's wording was a little weird i like that scene because it gives them both a nice little turning point and then we get to uh, john's and alex's conversation right right so so um She's saying, basically, I have to take my moment and be a mom now, and so I'm giving notice. And Jean says, you can't quit, I'm quitting. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, Not in those words, but basically he says that uh, he's going to take his father's advice or urging or whatever and uh, go wander the the earth, be among the people instead of hiding away at Dio, uh, and he's going to like participate more in life and be with regular people and try and help them. And so that that's pretty cool, but um, it means that uh, 
apparently he can just uh, hand off the directorship of the DEO to whoever he wants, you know, like a king designating his heir. I suppose that uh, President Alien Linda Carter will go along with this, <laughs> but I guess DEO is too shadowy to have uh, Senate confirmations or anything like that. It's always possible that we'll see a scene next episode where the government tries to impose someone to run it and it doesn't go very well and Alex gets it sort of confirmed, <laughs> but we'll see. I think if I was to ask the question, who should run the DEO if not John, who would be the answer other than Alex? Right. Well, I don't I don't know that we even have any other named people at DEO since Wen is leaving and, and they certainly wouldn't make him the director and... Uh, Demos is dead. I don't. I can't think of any other named people at DEO. So uh, there's a tight leash on the extras of the show, <laughs> right? So anyway, uh, he says you can have it all. You can be a mother because you won't have to be in the field as director, which doesn't exactly hold uh. up to uh, Jean's <laughs> experience. I mean, he's in the field quite a bit, um, and it's also kind of disturbing that. You have to be promoted to an executive position if you're if you want to be a mom and a worker in a hazardous field. Yeah, I didn't like that aspect of it, and I didn't like the implication that it's all about the risk of the job. Whereas I would say that bigger challenge is time commitment of a job. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you do the job right, generally being a manager takes more time than. <laughs> being a worker. That's certainly true of my experience. Um. I would say so, yeah. There's a whole pile of these things that don't make a lot of sense, but we've yet to see how Alex is going to go forward with her plan to becoming a parent since she didn't get Ruby served to her on a silver platter. <laughs> right. But, you know, it'll be kind of a shame if if uh, Alex gets ends up behind a desk all the time because she is such a badass. It's true, though, on the other hand, it means the show now has John not being behind a desk all the time, and considering he's so powerful, also seemed a bit silly. Mm-hmm. That's true, too. Maybe everyone will have super suits for, at DEO by next season. That would be an interesting shift in the power dynamics. They may all have personal shield devices. <laughs> right. That is true. So by taking Wynn to the future, they're actually changing Earth's present and in the future because when won't be around to design these things for deo like he would have i'm not sure if i want to go there <laughs> <laughs> he'll be back okay brainy knows everything that he invented and well, can dole them out exactly at the right time okay <laughs> i'm pretty sure as time travel problems go with this episode that's way down on my list <laughs> Okay, all right. So I haven't seen any casting news about um, what's happening with Jean, so I'm not sure whether he will, whether we will be following along on his adventures with humanity next season, or if he'll just be showing up every once in a while, or maybe not at all. We'll see. I would be very sad if he, you know, was off the show. I just haven't seen news about that. One thing that I found a little disappointing with Wynn leaving, is it reminded me that while the last two episodes with Lara I didn't like, mm -hmm. because they just seemed to throw her character around in wild ways. Right, right. 
I find it sad that we don't get to see her at all. Yeah, I guess, you know, I would hope that if they were still dating, he would have said goodbye. But he's been so busy with uh, James being his, you know, his oracle while James was uh, being guardian. I, we haven't seen Lyra at all, or Lyra at all, this uh, season. Um, so, you know, I just kind of assumed that they broke up a while ago. I would like to have had her last episode be better than the ones that we saw. Yeah. The other character who I thought got a pretty bad amount of screen time was Imra in this episode, in that the last time we see her is in this weird CGI moment where she's trying to hold the force field, presumably either around the ship or around the cauldron, and the Legion ship is hit, flies down, and it looks like it explodes. I um, it looked. It didn't meant. look like the whole ship blew apart, but it did look like you know there was a hit, a definite hit on the ship, and it lost part of its shields or something. It flew down towards the ground. Something went wrong. Hard to say. And that was the last we see of Imra in this episode. Imra existed for I think two scenes: one to dump Monel, and two to do a force field so the Harnell bounced off the cauldron, and we don't see her otherwise. And that again seems weak. We don't deal with the fact that she was apparently supposed to have lines to telling uh, Monel what was actually happening. She doesn't give. And we don't see the results of now she has to take Monel back, which she already knew. And we don't see her at any of the ending scenes. I don't know. It just seemed like she got less screen time than the story should have given her. Well, she's been treated so inconsistently or at least, uh, inexplicably <laughs> during this whole season that, yeah, I would have liked to have seen a scene that explained some of that, but it kind of seems like it's all so tangled. There really couldn't have been a satisfactory last scene for her. Perhaps. She's given a hard job to do. I think the actor does it fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nothing against the actress. It's just the the writing. Uh, one Just one point is that uh, uh, Monel at the end gave or, or whenever it was he he gave supergirl his ring in case Again. you ever need me so i guess that's how we may have some adventures in the future or something or at least they can talk once in a while <laughs> it was unclear to me what that actually meant does the ring actually allow communication to the future like how is she going to contact him that was unclear to me yeah i don't know supergirl is a legion legionnaire now right which you know is consistent with the comics, but uh, I don't think they're going to blow their budget too much by having her spend a lot of time in the future next season. It's a pity. It would be pretty awesome to see the future. <laughs> I'll be surprised if we don't get at least one, though. So next, I think we saw Kara and Alex reminiscing. And what I wanted to know is, does it mean something that they're now drinking white wine instead of the red wine they've been drinking throughout the rest of the season? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe they got a white pizza that went better with white wine this time. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> so, during all the denouements, Allura tells Kara, I'll bring Selina and the witches back with me. They'll stand a just trial. What if the people on Argo City decide to acquit these people? Then they'll just go free again? <laughs> What it's if a... they just decide to kill them? You never know. There's not a lot of people on Argo, and given that there's no crime, I wouldn't bet there's a lot of people who are used to mm -hmm. doing such trials either. So, I don't know. 
Allura is generally been the judge, jury, and Phantom Zone sender <laughs> for Krypton, as far as we can tell. So, But she says she's not going to be like that anymore. So We'll see. Again, Argo is only a guest appearance away. So Right. I mean, they said they said, you know, their goodbyes and they didn't say like, you know, I'll fly out and see you in six months or something like that. It was more like goodbye, goodbye. But there's, you know, they have spaceships or at least Argo doesn't, Argo City doesn't, but uh, Supergirl can presumably borrow Jean's spaceship if she needs to get out there again. The goodbye party that Kara got in both workplaces still seems a little large for how apparently long she was there and now she's back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think at that point she was... No, she couldn't have been thinking of going out to stay because they had to get the Haran ill. She was considering it. She was definitely yeah. considering it. Without a doubt, Monel was going to have to come back at some point. Right. So anyway, before Allura leaves, which I guess she'll go through the portal, is that... Or did the portal get destroyed? Was that a one-use portal? I think the portal got destroyed, so I think someone's going to have to fly her mm. back. Anyway, before she leaves, uh, Lena hands Allura a briefcase of the Horan L that she had synthesized. And um, Allura thanks her and says, you know, uh, we, we actually need to learn a lot more about this stuff. It's more dangerous than we thought. I'm so glad that there won't be any left on earth and <laughs> lena lena's expression <laughs> that's what you think yeah. anyway lots of hugs and goodbyes you know just hugs all around what else what 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 else do you want to talk about i think the last two scenes we get lena getting to be the full-on luther mad scientist right uh, we're ready to begin miss tessmacher we're ready to begin phase two of our trials <laughs> and you see exactly. the the our own ill that she did not give back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously that's going to come into the plot in a big way next season. And I'm not sure whether uh, whether it will infect Lena with evil. I would prefer not to be the plot, but it, they might, given, you know, the implications that they've, they've had before. But the more interesting question is just how how does Lena... Uh, deal with power and the continuing storyline of secrecy. That's going to be major next season, too. I am still going to hold to my belief that Lena does know Kara is Supergirl, <laughs> if only because I refuse to believe Lena is that dumb. <laughs> but clearly this is pushing her to the sort of gray area in the plot. And what we still don't know is what Lena discovered about the Haranel. Because right. earlier she discovered something other that we don't know yet about it and its abilities. So Lena is in the know, something we're not, and we will almost certainly find out next season. Right. Obviously it's an amazing, amazing energy source, but we knew that already. So I don't know what else, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. We can't have too much magic space rock. <laughs> right. But um, that's not the only thing that will be happening next season. As we saw in the very last scene, which was a flashback to 48 hours, when Supergirl and Sam and Rain were all holding the Haran L, some kind of black, misty substance uh, shot out of Supergirl and went suborbital 
And uh, then suddenly you're looking at Siberia, uh, some kind of border guard post, and um, someone who looks just like Kara starts walking up toward the station, clutching a blanket. I considered having a line in my recap, which was, not Supergirl chooses to wear a blanket. <laughs> so this is uh, some kind of duplicate of Supergirl. I don't know if it will be a blank slate or evil because of having having to do with Horan L. Um, but I did see online where um, one of the executive pr producers confirmed that this is going to be spoilers an homage to the Red Sun uh, alternate uh, universe DC comic, which imagined what if Kal-El had landed in Soviet Russia uh, back in the 80s or whatever it was, you know, when, whenever that timeline had Superman arriving on Earth. And so, you know, instead of growing up in a farm in middle America, uh, uh, being raised in the Soviet ideologies and stuff. My notes just have the line, Red Daughter Supergirl? Power Girl? Time will tell. Power Girl tends to be a clone of Kara, at least sometimes. So they also could go that path, hopefully with less boob window. Hopefully. <laughs> but we'll see. we'll have to see. Yeah, so so that will be fascinating, whatever they decide to do with that. Um, you know, of course, we're not in Soviet Russia times now. Uh, it'll be Russia, but uh, could definitely be oppositional to, to Supergirl and her values and everything. Um, and... So, yes, it will be very interesting to see what happens next season. I have to say, it did annoy me, kind of in the same way that really got on my nerves in The Flash, where every season was just a consequence of Barry making a horrible decision, uh, and therefore causing the big bad for the next season. Yes. And I just found that frustrating after frustrating, and to see that same mechanism being used in this CW show is like, Really? So now I have to blame Kara for all of this. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I, I don't think she's necessarily very culpable in this. I mean, she, she made the choice, but she wasn't making an obviously stupid choice. She was, you know, not like, okay, I'm going to mess with time because I don't want to deal with my bad feelings anymore <laughs> you know yeah, i was briefly wondering whether or not the time travel also is a factor to this but i don't think so i think it's just hey this is some random side effect of the three of them holding her and L at the same time yeah i think that's okay. what it was but anyway i i mean i get your point there there is certainly a similarity in that plot line but uh i i don't feel irritated with kara for you know trying to end the battle that way with the Haranel. For next season, a lot of seats mm -hmm. have been moved around. So really, I'm not quite sure how that feel is going to be for the show next. And we'll have to see it in the fall. Right. Um, I mean, like with Marin's wanderings, if we get any of them, we might get a scene here and there in an episode. And then maybe an episode focused on Marin. Huh. Uh, sorry, Jean Jean. <laughs> I keep saying Marin, but I meant Jean Jones. Well... Anyway, there's no way to say what's going to happen, but it'll be interesting to watch. I will certainly keep watching next season. I've been pleased, despite all my uh, nitpicking, I've been very pleased with a lot of things that happened this season. I liked a lot of the character things happening this season. I 
liked Sam, but I really never liked Rain except for maybe one or two scenes. So hopefully they will do a better job with that. I'll certainly miss if we don't get John, as I really do like him in the show. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But thanks. This has been very cathartic. I needed this. <laughs> Happy to help. I hope that our listeners also, you know, enjoyed hearing us uh, uh, try to detangle some of this stuff. Uh, it's been great fun discussing the shows with you and, and the other uh, Supercast members this season. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Okay, um, so uh, besides, of course, thanking David and uh, everyone else involved in the Supercast, including, of course, our wonderful uh, audio editor, Seth Heasley, um, I want to thank The Incomparable for hosting us, and I want to thank you, the listener, for coming along with us on this journey. Have a great summer. Bye-bye.